Hey listeners, welcome to another episode on Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Raza, with Grace Oham. Freedom doesn't mean free. Buffer zones. Majority of the people in the UK support the right to abortion and have very little sympathy for pro-life organizations and groups of individuals who use intimidatory tactics to harass and persecute service users, staff and members of the public. Harassments of women outside clinics offering abortions have led a number of councils in the UK to establish or propose a 150 meters buffer zone to protect women from protesters who zealously spend their days agitating and shaming others, insisting it is their democratic right of free speech to do so. The right of free speech comes with responsibilities, yet these protesters appear not to be aware that their persistence in expressing their opinions causes great suffering to those accessing the right to legal abortion. Public Spaces Protection Orders are to help deal with a particular nuisance or problem in a specific area that is damaging to the local community's quality of life. With those affected often feeling powerless to act, PSPOSs are designed to ensure that people can use and enjoy public spaces without experiencing antisocial behaviour. Local authorities are well aware that various forms of antisocial behavior can adversely affect the lives of people in their local communities and have a key role to play in helping make local areas safe places to live, visit and work. Since their introduction in 2014, PSPOs are amongst a broad range of powers available to local authorities that are intended to tackle persistent incidences of perceived harassment, intimidation and threat towards members of the public in given areas. However, organizations that oppose these others and have vested interest in preventing or overturning them because they feel unfairly targeted are often in a position to engage legal representatives to scrutinize the whole process instigated by the granting or proposing of a PSPO. Therefore, it is essential that the local authority intending to act against a particular group or organization ensures that the legal mechanism employed are legally sound. PSPOs can be challenged on the grounds that the local authority did not have the power either to make the order or include particular prohibitions or requirements or that proper due processes have not been followed as prescribed by the relevant legislation. As with all others and powers, the making of a PSPO can be challenged by judicial review on public law grounds within three months of the decision on action subject to challenge. It's important to note that when used appropriately, proportionately, and with local support, PSPOs can be a positive device that helps to prevent antisocial behavior and can provide an effective response to some of the issues local residents and businesses face on a daily basis. 
Since Elin Council established the first buffer zone around the West London National Treatment Centre, there has been a nationwide awareness on anti-abortion harassment outside clinics, with both Richmond and Manchester councils establishing similar protection zones. The right to have a safe abortion in private and with dignity should not depend upon where in the country a woman happens to live, but should be nationwide and supported by legislation. The small but vociferous minority on the anti-abortion lobby who harm people while they try to access legal medical care should quite simply be against the law. As of 2022, over 44 clinics around the country have faced hostile demonstrations near their premises in what appears to be a coordinated maneuver by pro-life organizations and their backers. The Home Office held a consultation on this issue back in 2018, yet the then Home Secretary, Sajid Javid, stated somewhat incongruously that national action would not be proportionate. They have faced repeated calls for national legislation since then, with a number of MPs raising the issue in the House of Commons, both Rupa Hook, the Labour MP for Ealing Central and Acton, introduced the demonstrations, abortion clinics bill, and the Liberal Democrat MP for Richmond Park, Sarah Olney, proposed a similar bill. As the global pro-choice organization, MSI, Reproductive Choices states on their website, Home Secretary Priti Patel is well aware that visiting an abortion clinic runs the risk of being spat on, shouted at, prayed at, photographed, jeered at, lied to, generally humiliated and on occasion blocked from entering the clinic altogether. She also knows that there are concerns about the evidence itself considered by her predecessor when reviewing this over two years ago. They are also quite clear in their definition of the difference between protest and harassment and are unequivocal in their opinions of those persistently preventing women seeking legal medical services the website continues. As a global pro-choice organization, MSI Reproductive Choices fiercely defends freedom of expression around the world, even for those we disagree with. There's a difference between protest and harassment as there is a difference between free speech and misinformation. These bullying behaviors are not reasonable expressions of free speech. The goal is not to debate different points of view. The goal is to intimidate. The truth is that these anti-choice aggressors simply do not trust people, especially women, to make decisions about their own lives. They believe they know better than you do whether you should be pregnant or not. We aren't interested in arguments about the intentions of anti-choice campaigners. Their intentions are irrelevant. What we care about is the impact their actions have on other people. We hear heartbreaking stories from patients who are genuinely traumatized by the experience of walking through shouting shaming crowds in order to access a perfectly legal medical service a service which one in three women will choose at some point in their lives it's distressing for anyone to be hounded by strangers in the streets at such a personal moment but what makes this behavior even more outrageous is that many of the people they harass are extremely vulnerable 
Some have been raped or survived abuse. Some still live with an abuser. Some are at the risk of so-called honor violence. I feel like I'm running a gauntlet every day just to get to work, said one center manager when asked by MSI Reproductive Choices. She recounted the experience of the brother of one rape survivor who became deeply distressed himself after his sister was stopped by the anti-choice agitators. We have been told stories of people being redirected away from the clinic when they asked for directions or being intimidated out of visiting the clinic altogether. Not only are these behaviors distressing, but they are also dangerous. Medically inaccurate claims are promoted in leaflets and signs. We can hopefully all agree that misinformation, particularly of a medical nature, is very serious, no matter what you feel about abortion. MSI reproductive choices also give a clear indication as to why PSPOs are not suitable to protect women accessing an abortion in the long term. Buffer zones in the form of public space protection orders, PSPOs, have been helpful, but the anti-choice groups have not disappeared. They are often still there, just outside the buffer zone. Clinics with no buffer zone continue to attract harassment and misinformation. PSPOs, by their very nature, are only ever a temporary fix. To renew a PSPO, Every three years costs time and money. Ealing Council has just finished consulting on whether to renew the existing PSPO amid broad agreement from those affected that it has been successful. While the legal basis for introducing PSPOs is sound, fear of legal challenge creates uncertainty for councils. The renewal debt for each PSPO will always serve as a focal point for anti-abortion groups to organize. Should any council take the decision not to renew a PSPO, even for some obscure technical reason, this could serve as a green light for the anti-choice groups not to only return, but to escalate their behavior, as it validates the idea that what they are doing is acceptable. Anti-abortion protesters are well aware that their actions are in excess of the right to peaceful protest, and that the argument is not about whether you agree or disagree with abortion. It concerns the influence of a minority to dictate what medical care is accessible and available to those who require it as a legal and moral right. Support for buffer zones have even come from the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Bowlby, who has backed local buffer zones around abortion clinics. People going to abortion clinics, he said in an interview with LBC Radio, whatever you think of abortion are human beings. The Church of England has a very clear view on abortion. But how do we love the people who are going there, treat them as human beings and value and respect them? As MSI reproductive choices are, if the government won't listen to us on that point, perhaps they will listen to him. The Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Healthcare, FSRH, has specifically addressed the issue of buffer zones. The ongoing intimidation and harassment of patients and staff outside facilities providing abortion care across the UK is cause for serious concern. This harassment takes many forms and causes great distress. It also makes it difficult and demoralizing for healthcare professionals to deliver essential legal healthcare.
Even quiet protests can be intimidating and the distribution of erroneous false information can be dangerous for patients' health and safety. In some cases, protests cause such distress that treatment is deferred. Privacy must be protected as much as possible when people access abortion services and all staff working to provide these services should have the right to work without judgment, intimidation or fear. Current legal protection fails to do this. The only way to ensure patients are able to access healthcare free of harassment and intimidation is the legal implementation of buffer zones around abortion clinics across the UK. Introducing national legislation would guarantee that the approach to counteracting these protests is consistent and effective. We call on the Home Office and devolved governments to bring forward national legislation to protect the safety of people accessing abortion clinics and healthcare professionals providing care. Public Spaces Protection Orders, PSPOs, can be useful to protect patients and staff, but they have not been designed for this purpose and depend on local councils' willingness to apply them. They are also time-bound, expensive to implement and produce a postcode lottery where some areas benefit and many others do not. FSRH believes everyone should be able to access abortion services free of intimidation and harassment and for all healthcare workers to be able to access their place of work free of judgment or fear. In response, the Home Office said police and local authorities already have powers to restrict harmful protests but confirmed buffer zones remains under review. A spokeswoman said the right to protest is a vital part of a democratic society, but it is completely unacceptable that women accessing healthcare services should feel harassed or intimidated. Many anti-abortion groups claim they are non-political, but there are a number that are affiliated and often financed by organizations on the right wing. In some instances, the extreme right of the political spectrum. In the UK, cash-strapped local authorities are often reluctant to challenge pro-life protesters. Therefore, many authorities consider any form of legal action directed at organizations that back the protesters run the risk of not being successful. A variety of reasons are given in press releases. Not a realistic use of limited resources. Not a guaranteed probability of success. Not in the public interest to name but a few. Translated, these statements mean we are short of money and those opposing our strategy of establishing PSPOs for the benefit of the borough's taxpayers have more money at their disposal to engage a superior legal team who will pick their way through the proposed legislation and rip it to shreds. As is always the case, money talks and the better funded side usually wins the argument. This financial advantage is calculated into the anti-abortion lobby strategy when challenging any proposed legislation, designated buffer zones and any other schemes that may hinder or obstruct their goals. 40 Days for Life is an international anti-abortion organization that campaigns against abortion in more than 60 nations worldwide. It was originally started in 2004 by members of the Brazos Valley Coalition for Life in Texas, USA. 
The name refers to a repeated pattern of events lasting for 40 days in the Bible, such as Noah's Ark, Moses' 40 days on Mount Sinai, and Jesus' 40 days in the desert. They are responsible for an internationally coordinated 40-day campaign that aims to end abortion locally through prayers and fasting, community outreach, and a peaceful all-day vigil in front of abortion businesses. The initial 2004 local campaign in the USA was begun in reaction to the presence of a planned parenthood abortion facility, which had opened in Bryant, Texas in 1998. Four members of the Brazos Valley Coalition for Life decided to start the prayer campaign 24 hours a day for 40 days with the goal of closing the facility and credits this campaign for a rejuvenation of local pro-life activities in the Bryan College Station area. Over the next two and a half years, the campaign was replicated in six other cities. In early 2007, the original 40 Days for Life leaders suggested a simultaneous nationwide 40 Days for Life campaign in as many cities as wished to participate. The first national campaign ran later that year with vigils in 89 cities in 33 U.S. states. A second national campaign was added to run during the spring of each year starting in length of 2008 with campaigns in 59 cities. The spring 2009 campaign had numerous U.S. and international cities participating, including Brisbane, Australia, and cities in Canada, Northern Ireland, and the United States. Their website also illustrates the organization's principal method of protest as what they term constant vigil. The visible public centerpiece of 40 Days for Life is a focused 40-day non-stop round-the-clock prayer vigil outside a single planned parenthood center or other abortion facility in your community. It is a peaceful and educational presence. Those who are called to stand witness during this 24-hour-a-day presence send a powerful message to the community about the tragic reality of abortion. It also serves as a call to repentance for those who work at the abortion center and those who patronize the facility. The constant vigil protest can still be conducted despite no local abortion clinic in the vicinity. If you do not have an abortion facility or planned parenthood office in your town, you can still conduct 40 days for life. However, you will need to select a different location which has some strategic significance perhaps near City Hall, a courthouse, or a highly visible intersection. However, despite the group's claimed success, British Pregnancy Advisory Service stated that 40 days for live protest action is not stopping people from having abortions, but instead making women rebook their appointments after the campaigns had finished. Therefore, unintentionally encouraging women to have abortions later. According to their website, 40 Days for Life is funded through a combination of donor contributions and application fees. Each local campaign pays a nominal fee, contributing to the costs the headquarters team incur in producing training and resource materials. 40 Days for Life's generous benefactors cover the remainder of the costs. 
40 Days for Life states that it is entirely non-political. 40 Days for Life has official status as a non-profit organization under Section 501, Citation 3 of the United States Tax Code. As such, it is not permitted to participate in political campaigns. This was a conscious decision by the board of directors who had been called to rely on prayer and fasting rather than political action to end abortion. During 40 Days for Life, the message is taken proactively to every corner of your community. Media outreach is conducted through carefully targeted news stories, talk shows and editorials. Church involvement begins by meeting with local pastors, other church leaders and members of different congregations. A door-to-door petition and education drive reaches out to every household in your town or city. People visibly show their support for 40 Days for Life by wearing wristbands, placing signs in their yards, or displaying bumper stickers on their vehicles. If your community has a college campus, many students can be impacted through an intense 40 Days campus outreach. This can consist of flyer raids, public witness, petition drives, table displays, and much more. Holly Baxter, a journalist for the British newspaper The Garden States, the organization's participants at vigils regularly harass women and pregnant children as young as 12 years old, trying to access vital health care, photograph them as they enter sexual health or maternity clinics, and provide these vulnerable people with leaflets disguised as NHS literature which health professionals describe as pseudo-medical and misleading. Abortion rights activists concerned that the campaigns harass and intimidate women seeking abortion have reached in opposition to the 40 Days for Life campaign, including protests against 40 Days for Life, such as 40 Days of Choice, among others. An American Civil Liberties Union spokesperson called 40 Days for Life the most dangerous threat to choice. Abortion rights activists have pursued legal avenues such as buffer zones, especially in Canada and Europe, to prevent anti-abortion activists from approaching women or standing nearby abortion facilities. A Mary Stokes spokesperson says that their main concern is targeting the misleading information given to women by protesters. Flickering through a 40 days leaflet, it's clear that this is a problem saturated in emotive language about your tiny baby. Its pseudo-medical statements imply that abortions often cause serious physical complications, a tactic that has earned them the moniker of 40 days for lies among counter-protesters. The people on the anti-abortion picket line are so obsessed with their own solipsistic ideology that they are unconsciously unaware of the adverse effect that they have on those that don't agree with their views and opinions. So far as these self-righteous protesters are concerned, they are purposefully protecting the life of an unborn child, not persecuting the unborn child's mother. Yet their self-proclaimed right to protest in order to expound their views under the guise of free speech is to that woman wanting an abortion a direct threat to her rights to control what she does with her own body. These protesters are completely oblivious to this perspective and are therefore unable to comprehend neither the argument that it's a woman's right to choose what she does with her own body, 
nor the effect on the woman's mental health while she's in a vulnerable state, let alone the trauma experienced by the object of their opprobrium. If these protesters, who take it upon themselves to be the conscience of an unborn fetus, were actually concerned with the welfare of these women who were accessing the right to an abortion for personal or financial reasons and are subjected to being instructed what to do with their bodies were to consider for a moment the effect on an individual Will they persist in their actions or even consider the consequences they are potentially inflicting on these women? What are your views on this salient topic? Kindly comment, share and leave a review. It's been Grace Upper for Raza, Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. See you soon. Remain positive and keep safe. Bye for now.